Well, we're really pleased to be joined on the OHL podcast this week by a guy that had a, a, a cup of coffee, you might say, in Kitchener with the Rangers. And then with one of the Rangers' favorite trading partners back in the day, he played with them off to the North Bay Centennials before an incredible professional career of more than 500 games in the National Hockey League. Dave McElwain, the pride of Seaforth, Ontario, joins us hey. on the pod. It's great to have you here, Dave. Thanks for hey, making my, time. My pleasure. My pleasure to be able to talk with you. A guy from Seaforth, where does they, where do you develop your uh, love of hockey? It's got to be some outdoor rinks back in the day. I was going to say in the backyard, or uh, actually the the town rink was actually in my backyard, so I was very very fortunate. Um, the family, we were good friends with the arena manager. I mean, in a small town, everyone was friends with everybody, right? So you knew everybody, and uh, I think the love of the game just happened to come I, I followed my dad around all the time went to his games we go to the rink watch games I don't know if I was really watching them or playing uh, well we mini sticks or I couldn't wait for them to get off and we could run out in the ice and shoot the puck around till they finished the refreshments after their games then uh, we had the longer they, they stayed in the room the better for me so I always enjoyed those times and whether it was on shoes or skates uh, I was usually around the rink I guess labeled the rink rat I guess do you know you're still listed as one of the 20 most famous people from here on county, according to the internet? Well, that's well, that's I, I actually read the book there or saw the book that came out a couple of years ago that I didn't realize how many people have actually come out of here in county. So that's great. Good to know that. I'll keep that in my back pocket for absolutely. Yeah, whenever you need that one, hey, I'm one of the most 20 famous people in all of Huron County. That's just that's a keeper for sure. That's right. And then someone's going to go, Where the heck's Huron County? So. <laughs> Did you wonder where the heck Kitchener was when you won the role on the team? You weren't drafted into the Ontario Hockey League. How did you end up with the Rangers? Uh, you know what? It, it is a long story, and I guess we have a few minutes, so I guess I, I can tell you. It, uh, uh, it was it was a process, I guess. And I, I just remember we went to the draft, and uh, Guelph had planned to draft me. They called me. We said, we're going to draft you in the seventh round or seventh, eighth round. It was going to be a late round. And uh, in Seaforth, we played maybe five different towns. One was Wingham, Clinton, Mitchell, local towns that are about our size. But we always, when we got out of our area, we always went north and we played Durham. And there was this guy in Durham called Dave Hopkins. And it was, we were always neck and neck, going back and forth. And his he was the pride of his town. I was the pride of my town. And we battled every time. So I go to the draft and we sit there and, and it's a Saturday morning. I know we drive all the way down to Mississauga where you sat and you watched and we sat there for eight hours. And uh, during that time, there was a seventh round coming, Guelph picks and I, and I hear that they pick Dave Hopkins. So I think, Oh, maybe the eighth round, ninth round. Well, I go through the whole round, sit the whole draft and didn't get drafted. So as the story goes, I'll speed it up. Monday comes after the draft and uh, Guelph phones again and says, uh, you know what, uh, Dave, we saw you weren't picked up. We'd still like to invite you to camp. So my dad had some really tough words for them and uh, he wasn't too happy. He says, you know what, you can go, you know, jump in Lake Huron because we're not going there. And it happened to be the same day Kitchener called and said, uh, Dave, we, we saw you weren't drafted. We had your eye on you, but we'd still like to invite you to camp. So we were thinking Kitchener, Guelph, uh, obviously we'd love to go to Kitchener. So 
as it went on, I was uh, invited to camp, not expecting much. I went down the year before. I think I watched uh, maybe one of the Memorial Cup games before. I think it was 84 and Kitchener lost to Ottawa. Ottawa won it that year. That's right. And, uh, I was sitting there watching. I'm like, man, I don't know if I could play in this league. These guys are good. It's, uh, it was it was very intimidating. And But, you know, you, you kind of get out on the ice. It's a whole different mindset, I guess. But stepping back a little bit. So I went to uh, – I had planned to go to St. Mary's. I didn't think I would make Kitchener. So I said to uh, St. Mary's that, uh, you know, I'll go to Camp Junior B before. And uh, when the time's – I'm going to go to Kitchener, but I will be back. I was thinking eligibility, eligibility with a scholarship at that time. You didn't want to stay too long. So I left St. Mary's. And uh, at the time, I went there. And after two days, my dad and I were talking. I just kind of had my head, well, I better go back to Junior B. I can't play here. Um, so after two days, I packed up my stuff. And I was kind of walking out. And Tom Barrett was a coach at the time. And we stopped in to talk. To him, and he said, come on in here for a minute. So we sat in there and we talked to him and he says, you know, you have a really good chance of making this team. And so all of a sudden uh, things kind of changed. Dad and I had a talk and, uh, and we decided to not really worry about the scholarship, but I had a chance to play junior B. And so the, the story went, I ended up not going back to St. Mary's and staying Kitchener the, uh, the rest of the time. So it was, how it happened and maybe because I wasn't under pressure to play or, or make it, you just kind of played and uh, went about your business. And there's a, there's another funny story to that as uh, because all of a sudden Strafford, I went for skated with them a little bit, a little bit uh, in the, the year before they were the Colton's of course, everyone wanted to play there. Well, they found out I was going to make Kitchener. All of a sudden, Dad gets a call from them now and says, uh, you know, we like Dave to come to Stratford. It was a lot of the same situation, same talk as he had with Guelph. So uh, as it turns out, I ended up in, in Kitchener and uh, things kind of went from there. Yeah. And where's Dave Hopkins today? Dave, I don't think ever played a game in the OHL, never maybe went to camp. Um, I, I don't know. I I did run into him years later, just kind of, uh, you know, things change as you get older. And it was always a, a battle with Durham. I still remember those days in Bantam, Midget. Uh, it was a, it was a beating on, on both, both ways. So all of a sudden you're into the Ontario Hockey League and you're with that team that you mentioned, that Memorial Cup uh, in, in 84, though they didn't win it, but that was three in four years the Rangers were in. So you're coming into a really successful, a team that is just finishing a successful run and, and you're in an arena, the likes of which you probably didn't see a lot of while you were playing with Seaforth. No, I didn't. I think maybe once or twice. And it was actually during the Memorial Cup, I went down there. So yeah, I'm going from a, a little, well, I always tell the story. I ended up going from a town of 2000 to the, to the high school was 2000 people. So it was a big adjustment. Uh, I did travel a little bit for the first month just to see if it was actually going to uh, pan out. And then I had to change schools again and uh, ended up going to KCI. And they were very good with the, with the hockey players and trying to keep us moving along in their schooling. So it uh, worked out. The family I went to was great. So it was an adjustment. Uh, it was it was a lot of learning that first year. I think a lot of kids, whether you come out of Toronto or whether you come out of a small town, it's a it's a big adjustment into that into that league, especially 
coming out of midget double C and maybe I played a lot of junior D and which was our, our level of junior and C4. So I did have the experience of playing against older guys, but maybe not as good. So I think, as I said, you just kind of adjust and some guys can adjust to it and some guys can, I guess. And like I said, I didn't have a lot of pressure on me to, to perform as some of the maybe first and second round guys uh, maybe have. Given the way it started for you, Dave, without being drafted, you weren't even sure you were going to make it. You're still talking to St. Mary's like, hey, I'll probably be back here in junior B. Was there a moment along the way in that first season in the Ontario Hockey League for you that you thought, okay, I've made it. I belong here. Um, You know what? I never had that. I had the feeling I think I could play, but it wasn't always uh, an easy road because, you know, your fourth line, you're kind of in and out. I wasn't in and out of the lineup, but I did get sent down to, uh, I think at the time it was, uh, farm team was like Dixie Beehives. It was a tier two. And I ended up going down for a weekend and played two games and had four points and kind of come back. And then I, I stayed the rest of the time. So I didn't really question my talent. Just like, oh, this is how they're doing it. They want to give me a little more ice time. So I went down, came back and, and then uh, just played and tried to, try to learn and, and watch the older guys. There's some guys there were, you know, first rounders, uh, Wayne Presley and, uh, you know, Garnet McKechnie, these guys uh, that had played and, and been to the finals and been drafted to the NHL and, and uh, so on and so forth. So you just kind of sit and kind of mind your own business and, and uh, try to pick up what you can and try to play your game as well as you could. What was it like, to learn that you had been traded to the North Bay Centennials. <laughs> well, uh, that was then obviously the start of the next year and uh, things were going pretty good. You know, you get a little more confidence, you start playing a little more. And, and uh, also I could remember the first year I was like, Oh man, we got to go to North Bay. That's like the longest bus ride ever. So then I get traded. I'm like, Oh man, can I, I, I can't go any farther other than Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie. So we were, uh, we got told on the Friday, Doug Strombach, uh, John Keller, and myself. And it was a big trade. There were three of us going north, and uh, four guys came to Kitchener. So Thursday, we, well, actually Thursday, we got told we had to meet uh, North Bay in Hamilton. And we were going to play with North Bay. We're sitting there. We bring our gear. I remember sitting in the room, waiting for the team, the bus. We go there and we play. The next game, we're back in Kitchener against the Rangers. So here you are skating, different room, other side. You're still buddies with the guys. You're, I, I still stayed at my billet's house that night. So after we go out, we're going to leave Saturday morning. They said, you know, take the night. So we're out with the, the guys kind of, you know, we're going to pack up. And so we all come back to my billet's. And I remember us phoning Tom Barrett. And we were like, we're not going. We're like, and we, and we hung up the phone. The three of us were like, no one wanted to leave, right? We're in Kitchener. It's a great city, great team. And all we could think of going to North Bay. Well, sure enough, we ended up getting in the car Saturday morning and, and made the trek to North Bay. I had a car and three of us, I don't know how we fit everything in, but we, uh, we made it up there. And, and uh, I'd have to say it's one of the, you know, the best things that happened to me. Yeah, I was going to say not to jump too far in the timeline, but your final season in the O, two years later, after two years with the Sens, 
you lead the team in scoring and you were second in OHL scoring that season, if I'm not mistaken, with 119 points. I think it worked out all right for you. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. Obviously, I had some good guys uh, to play with and uh, the team was good. And, you know, Bert, Bert was a he was a hard ass and uh, discipline. You kind of do. You kind of walk the straight line. And if you went over the wrong side, he let you know it. And uh, you either stayed or if you went too far, you were gone. He was he was all business. And uh, I'm not sure if that can work in today's game. Some of the things that went on, but uh, he, he was good for me. He respected me and I respected him. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate. He took me to the to the world junior too. So um, knowing that then, yeah, those bus trips became regular and you got used to them pretty fast. How did you pass the time on the bus back then? Well, I think it was, uh, believe it or not, I I tried to keep up with my schoolwork. Mm -hmm. I always had my, my parents in the back of my head and they were, you know, if you're, if your marks slip, if you're not doing well in school, then, you know, you'll be back home. And uh, so I was, I wasn't a great student, but I got, I did my work and got by and, and made sure I attended school and just, you did what you had to do. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of part of the, the discipline, I guess you, you learn along, along the way. As much as you don't think of that when you get home at 3.30 and you got to be at school for 8.30, 9 o'clock, it's, it's part of the way back you don't like I said you don't think of it like that but it's uh, it's a part of uh, the discipline you learn all the way through uh, hockey I'm so glad that North Bay is back in the Ontario Hockey League now after being away for a little while especially because it allows that North Bay Sudbury rivalry to pick up again was that the biggest rivalry for you back then too Absolutely. I, I think we. I was going up that road to Sudbury like every other week it felt like I think we played them I don't know. I think you play them more, maybe not. It just felt like we were up there so much. And of course you have that hatred with Sudbury. And, and I always ask the guys, goes, that's, is that wolf still going across the top of the top of the roof? They're always like, yeah, it's still there. It might be a new one, but it's, uh, it's still going across. So we had some pretty good battles with them. We had good teams too. So we didn't have to listen to that howling, howling of the wolf uh, that much. So. You you mentioned a moment ago, Dave, the the talented players that you had with you in North Bay, and I'm sure we could you know go up and down the entire roster. But one guy that certainly stands out is a fellow by the name of Nick Kiprios, who I know after coming back from the pros ended up on your wing. Uh yeah. So I mean, we we look back at the team my last year. There was I think eight guys that actually played pro. We had like Darren Turcott. Uh, Nick came back. Uh, um, Billy Holder, uh, I'm missing uh, Mike Hartman, Troy Crowder. Jeez, uh, who am I missing? Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll think of some of the other guys. Wayne or Tim Bean, uh, guys that played some minors but played pro. But we had we had a very uh, solid team. Nick came back and and the year before he had 50. I think he had 40 some the next next year. And uh, um, yeah, we we connected pretty well in the, in the final year that's part of it that that final year uh all the way to the ohl championship against the oshawa generals and it goes seven games for the gens to knock you out what do you remember of that final and obviously the the disappointment you must have felt losing in seven well it, that was disappointing the fact that it was the seventh 
the second seven game series against them because back then they had this crazy idea. We'll have this super series, which is the top two teams in each division will play a series and whoever wins it hosts the Memorial cup. So obviously you can't do that today with preparation and you have to be ready and who's hosting it. And I think it's the only time that they ever had three teams because we played them and we, and they were, they beat us in points. So they had home ice advantage. They win game seven in that series. So they're automatically host and they're in the Memorial cup. So we both have to go back into the, the format and play. We have to get back in um, and get to the finals to win, to get in. So we end up back, we play Oshawa again and we lose in game seven and we're out and they're in where they should have some way they should have had both of us in there to make four teams. So people talk about that crazy super series and uh, it was a battle. Like we, we played them 14 times in a month and a half, basically. Like we knew everyone's family, relatives, grandparents by the end of the, by the end of the season, but it was, it was a beating. It was, it was very disappointing, especially, you know, after the first one, we knew, okay, we could go back in whether we met them or not, we could have, we have another chance to get in, but it didn't work out. So yeah, that, that, that was a tough one, especially being in Ontario and get a chance at Memorial Cup, but didn't happen. You imagine playing a team 14 times in a month and a half these days? Like, that's just wild to think about. I mean, it might have been, whatever, two months, but it was, and then we had to play the other ones, Windsor. It wasn't an easy round to get back to, because Windsor had a great team. They ended up winning it, I think, the next year. Um, they had a great team, Adam Graves and the Shannon brothers and, and so on, but yeah, I was uh, definitely ready for a rest at the, end of, at the end of that season. You mentioned Windsor, and when I talked to guys from this era, playing in that old Windsor arena is always something that brings back a memory or two because the fans are right on top of you, and it's a tough yeah. barn, tough barn. It, it was. I still remember there was like part mesh up top or somewhere there was mesh, but we do a lot of uh, with the alumni stuff, and you run into guys and and – Windsor guys, North Bay guys, we always talk about, we all go back. We all live the, live the stories of when and where and how, and it just, it's great to see them. And, and you forget about it now because we're all the same. We're all retired. There's no, uh, there's no hatred or whatever, but uh, we do have some laughs and remember many of those situations. Well, and, and back then too, Dave, I mean, you're playing in an era where if there was any bad blood, you, you found a way to settle it on the ice. Yes. Um, it, it was a tough, it was tough goal. Obviously I wasn't a fighter and I knew I wasn't very good at it. So I didn't attempt it, but I, you did see, you did see some fights and my last year in North Bay, we had, uh, we had a tough team. We had Darren Smith, we had uh, Troy Crowder, we had Mike Hartman, Wayne McPhee, like even Nick fought uh, Tim Bean. Like there was guys that would, it was, you knew you were, looked after when you're out there but the other teams had tough guys too that uh they would they would settle things pretty quick and i think that's the respect you gain from some of the other guys and uh and you you were aware of those guys and even once you got to the nhl it's kind of you were aware if you were going to be an idiot you were going to have to deal with one of these guys that were sitting on the other side of the bench maybe not so much in junior because i had those guys were there. Not that I played like that or, or look for trouble, but uh, you were just smarter. I tried to figure it out, even in the NHL, that I was like, okay, you got to respect these guys because 
there's a couple guys drooling over there in the bench ready to take your head off if you do something stupid against their team. So I think it's the respect of the game that uh, maybe is more so back in the day, 20 years ago, that, that now there's obviously there's not as much fighting. The tough guys, every player has to be able to play now. And if you can fight, then that's a, it's a bonus. But it's very skilled. It's different. And that's, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, speaking of other topics, you mentioned it when you talked about going to North Bay and playing for a guy like Bert and how good he was for you, including getting you the chance to be at the juniors. And that's another really interesting part of your story because the World Junior Championship you were at in Czechoslovakia was the so-called punch-up in Pistani, uh, where the lights were turned out because Team Canada, you guys, and the Russians got into a, a bench-clearing brawl. What was it like being part of that? I look back now and um, it was, and we all say it, we run into each other all the time. And it's, if we all had to do it again, we probably, we would have, you know, it, it's what happened and things happen so fast and there's a fight going on. And, and I can say I was right at the edge of the bench when I saw two Russian guys leave their bench. And as soon as that happened, our guys left and they knew they were going to be outnumbered. And then that's what happened. Um, the five guys on the ice were, I think that started it were Mike Keane, not started it, Baron were uh, Mike Keane, Theo Fleury, Everett Senna Pass with Steve Chase on, Kerry Hoffman, and Sean Simpson was a net. So it, it was it was craziness. Um, I think a lot of people look at like, how did you see with the lights out? But when you're on the ice, when the lights went out, I think from the TV, it kind of looked super dark, but we could kind of vaguely see a little bit. It was like you were in a rink when the lights are. You could kind of see, but anyway, that, that was their way. They didn't know how, how to how to stop it. They had two two linesmen and a ref, and uh, I just remember them. You see it on the video after they're down at the end. They just gave up, and we kind of broke it up ourselves, I guess, eventually. And uh, and then it kind of dis dissipated, and then some guys got together, and then all of a sudden it started again. So anyway, it finally got finished off. We go to the to the dressing room and some guys were beat up pretty bad. I remember Greg Hoggett's nose was over here because he got headbutted and there were some battles, Ivan Corbo and and uh, some guys. That, the Russians were tough. I wouldn't say they were the best fighters, but they were strong, right? So they were swinging, doing whatever they could, maybe a little bit dirty uh, that we weren't used to, but uh, we just kind of sat there and we're, we didn't know what was going to happen. Then they eventually come in and said, uh, all right, uh, both teams are disqualified. You're out of the tournament. It was the last game. It's a different format. Obviously it was a round Robin and we had to win by, I think it was six, no, four goals or five goals. And we were up five, two, maybe at the time in the middle of the second. And we were, we were dominating and uh, Russia couldn't win a medal. So didn't really matter to them whether that was their thought process. I, I don't know, but yeah, we, I remember we were supposed to go to awards banquet after, and then we were heading to uh, Vienna to fly out in the morning, but uh, it was a direct right out of the country. Um, they, they brought in the, the army was there. They had two lines of army 
military taking us to our bus and one to their bus. I remember looking over their bus was like right here. We're looking over at them. They're looking over at us. Everyone's like, what just happened? And uh, we had an escort right to the border, uh, Austrian border, and then it was right to the airport. And the cops turned around, or police, and we bus went right right to the airport. We stayed there all night and flew out in the morning. So, and we didn't know what was going on there. I mean, we didn't have social media, texts, phones like like nowadays. We didn't know what was going on. We kind of had rumblings. Don Cherry was sticking up for us, and uh, um, yeah. So people, they were they were behind us. I think there was a couple that weren't too happy. Obviously, Hockey Canada, but looking back, we're kind of like the black, black aces of the of the World Junior. But it's uh, it's one where there's a bit of a black blank page in the in the in the encyclopedia of the World Juniors. But uh, it was it was a it was a fond memory. But yeah, we actually got a, a nicer gold medal than we would have, I think, uh, from Harold Ballard uh, months later. So I don't know if a lot of people know that, but. Um, it was it was pretty special. Uh, they had a ceremony, I think, at Maple Leaf Gardens. A couple guys went. I couldn't go. I remember that. And uh, yeah, it's, I still have it. It's gold medal. My name number on it. Like it's uh, it's probably better than the one we would have got for the World Junior. So I did not know that, and I was going to ask because you talked about the format then, and you you had to win by five goals to win the gold. But at at minimum, you were guaranteed a bronze, and I wonder if that kind of stuck with you thirty five years later. Like, damn it, I didn't get my medal, but I did not know Mister Ballard came through like that. Yeah, he, he did. It was pretty special. And obviously, I don't think the Russians were uh, his favorite people at the time, and uh, so I think that was one way. I'm pretty sure, like, we would have had the silver medal if we didn't get the um, goal advantage. It was around Robin and goals for and against because we. We kind of bobbled through the tournament a little bit. We lost a couple, one, a couple got big scores, so that helped. And and we didn't start the best, but then we picked it up as uh, as we went along. After a really successful final year in junior, off to the National Hockey League, you go a ninth rounder to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and this is just as the Penguins Penguins were starting to turn things around with a guy named Mario Lemieux. Yes, yes, that's. Uh, uh, so I come out as a, as a 20 year old uh, ninth round. I wasn't actually drafted my draft year, um, which was in Kitchener. And I guess I wasn't really on the radar from, from NHL scouting. And uh, the next year, I guess they were asking and Bert was really in my corner telling people, you know, you should draft this guy. And uh, that's how it was the later, later round. Not that it would have been earlier, but it was not my draft year. So the next year I went one camp and then the next year uh, stepped in and actually made the team and um, yeah, played most of the year. I went to the minors a year and it was a, another big learning experience. You're, you think junior's tough, you get into the NHL, it's a whole nother, another game and it's a livelihood and, and people are trying to get your job every day. You have to be very prepared game in game out. You can't take games off and uh it's it's learning process for uh, for younger kids and and the guys were good and we were, you know Mario was we were all excited my first camp he was coming back from the uh, Canada Cup '87 where he kind of he was always an amazing player but just kind of came to the next level I think out of that what you know playing with Wayne and and winning it and uh, it's hard to believe he was only 21 or two at the time when he when he did that. And uh, so we come back and there's excitement. I think we missed the playoffs that year and 
And the next year we came in and we ended up getting in the playoffs. Uh, I was up and down that year. And then the next year I got traded to, uh, to Winnipeg, but to play with Mario and, and uh, watch him day in and day out. Um, I had a whole nother respect where I thought, I think he took a lot of heat from reporters or people just over the years of, you know, he was lazy. He was this or that, but I didn't see it. Um, he was so talented, especially uh, in that era. Like you'd see him with three guys on his back and still make plays and, and make goals and score great goals. And sometimes I was on the bench and it was like, I was, a, I almost wanted to stand up and clap because it was like, Oh, you know, you're, you know, he was like, wow, did he just do that? But you're like, no, that's Mario. Sit down. It's, it's, he's your teammate. So, but he, he did some things that were just crazy. Well, I can't help but think too, like you were pretty well-traveled back in the NHL and two different teams, the Islanders and the Penguins, you came back to a second time. And your second stint with Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, had both Lemieux and Yager on the yeah. team. Yeah, we had Ronnie Francis and... uh how I ended up back there, um, I was in uh, Ottawa. And I was there year one and two. We had very tough years in Ottawa. And uh, the next year, they ended up selling like seven guys' contracts to the IHL back at the time. So they got rid of seven of us. And these teams somewhat bidded on us to try to take half of our contract to help pay Ottawa. So Ottawa only had to pay half. And I ended up going to Cleveland. Um, the owner was actually... Uh, Larry Gordon, who used to be the farm team of Pittsburgh when it was in Muskegon, they moved to Cleveland. So obviously it's still Pittsburgh's farm team, uh, played well in the minors in the eye. And then Pittsburgh decided to, you know, trade back for me at the trade deadline. And I remember my first game, um, Sundstrom was hurt. And uh, I started on wing with Mario and, and Ron Francis on right wing. And I was like, okay, so the puck goes back, goes in the corner. Ron gives it to Mary. I'm standing wide open in the front of the net. They pass to me and score within seven seconds. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty easy playing with these guys. And ended up scoring two that night. And I hadn't played in the league for, you know, most of the year. So, but it, it was just, it was excitement to get back to Pittsburgh. I always had a soft spot for Pittsburgh being my first team. And uh, that year we lost to, uh, uh, it was 95 against uh, Florida. That was their first year, and they upset us in Game Seven at home, and then lost to Colorado. Uh, um, I think Colorado handled it pretty pretty well. Not to say we would have beat Colorado, but uh, we had a pretty good team. Ron broke his uh, Ron Francis broke his ankle, um, so we were missing him, and uh, yeah, it just just didn't happen. But it was uh, it was great to go back again. That was the year, wasn't it? They were throwing all the uh, plastic rats the on rat, the ice, the yeah. Rat. Rat trick. I guess, yeah, they started with, I, I guess, Scott Mellonby during the year shot a rat, ran through the dressing room. It was a really crappy arena and scored two goals. And then, then he hit the rat the more and they called the rat trick. And all of a sudden the rats come out. And yeah, that was part of the playoff. It was, it was insane, actually, every time they scored there. Just think but, about your hockey career. You're in North Bay where the Sudbury Wolves have the, the damn stuffed wolf, and then you're in the show, and you've got the Florida Panthers and the rats. And there's rats coming at you. Yeah, it was, I, re, I just I remember seeing Tom Brasso hiding in the net. So, <laughs> so they wouldn't – they were coming over. As soon as they scored, he knew, and he kind of backed in under the net for protection. 
<laughs> you mentioned the uh, the Winnipeg Jets earlier, and obviously that uh, conjures up the name Dale Howarchuk, who's somebody I know you admired greatly. What was it like with Dale? Well, there there's another guy. I would have to say one of the most, not that he's underrated, maybe, um, what's the word? Maybe not underrated, but unappreciated as a, as a player, but in the hockey world, people knew him, but people that were watching always knew Mario, but he was always behind Gretzky out there. But if you see Dale's numbers, it's just crazy and watching him practice and realizing how good he was. And he was on that Canada cup with Mario. And I think he was on the ice when they scored that goal, very reliable, good defensively, like maybe not the greatest skater, but he was fast, but just not technically the best skater, but Super player, super teammate, uh, even, I think, better guy off the ice than he was on on the ice. Like, just all around great person. And it's, you know, tough tough to see him not around. You have a, a rather interesting distinction in, in the record books, Dave, when it comes to, <laughs> <laughs> you know where this is going, because it's very an interesting distinction for sure. Uh, yeah. Four different teams in the same year 91 92 and and to make it even more interesting you were in every single division in the nhl that year yes i uh i do get reminded of that very <laughs> well a lot of times doing alumni events are introduced as that but i guess hey you're in the record books and uh they're they're not always the records you want but uh they remember you for that and um that year was a very interesting year. I definitely had to look at it as uh, everybody wanted me and not somebody didn't want me because I, I don't think it could have crushed your uh, your confidence. It was it was very uh, difficult season mentally and just kind of finding your way around and and uh, teammates, new teammates, new cities. It was just kind of like your head was everywhere. And uh, you know, I, I was. I was fortunate enough to, I played with a lot of great guys, um, some great organizations and, you know, I get to Buffalo. I was there literally two weeks and um, I could tell the stories, but it probably bore people, but it was just, you know, you, you, I had the Buffalo one. I could kind of, we were walking out for warm or morning skate and I see Uwe Krupp coming in, Pat LaFontaine. I'm like, oh, okay, the trade has happened. They were talking about this. I'm almost out. And then John Muckler yells, he goes, hey, uh, Mac, uh, just wait in here for a minute. And I'm like, I can't, I just got here. I can't be, I can't be traded. And sure enough, I was gone and deal with, with, uh, you know, LaFontaine and Benny Hogue, Uwe, Uwe Krupp and uh, myself. So I like to say the story was uh, myself for, or Turgeon for LaFontaine. Sorry, Pat was coming over, Turgeon was going the other way, but um, I always like to say that it was uh, myself for LaFontaine and they threw in Turgeon. So that's kind of the way I get get around the, the controversy. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking though about, you talk about it being a tough year mentally, and I can only imagine with with four different addresses, all the things you talk about, the teammates, the moving around, etc. Did did it ever cross your mind at that point? Because obviously you still had a lot of hockey in you, but did you ever think I'm I'm done with this? Like you feel almost like a piece of meat, you, don't you? You get, you get a little frustrated, and uh, yeah, I was I was single at the time by myself, so you just kind of find your way and maybe that's the mental game that uh, made me tougher 
or you figure out and, and you can maybe go the other way and just say the hell with it. I'm not. The only thing I figured out was that summer I bought a house and moved all my furniture home and, uh, and said, I'm renting furnished places the rest of my career because my furniture chased me around the whole time that year. And I, I never, when I left Winnipeg, I was traded on the road and I never did go back to my apartment and ended up going to Buffalo. Well, I kept going down the turnpike to, to Long Island and found a furnished spot. My furniture sat in storage all year and I bought a place in Grand Bend and just sent everything home. And, uh, you know, the silver lining, I ended up, you know, in Toronto, which is, uh, was a great opportunity. And, and, uh, you know, I followed Toronto as, as a, as a kid and you get to put on the blue and white and, and that was uh, pretty special. And I, and getting back to Winnipeg, I had great, couple great years there um i was able to find my game and uh contribute and and uh, i didn't play a lot of power play but played a lot of shorthanded and that year i was i don't know what happened i ended up with seven shorthanded goals and and just you kind of get the confidence back and but it can go just as quick as it as it shows up when you when you have confidence i think a lot of guys can relate to that how how quick you can lose your confidence and how hard it is to to get it back sometimes in the game and and that's where the the mental part of the game comes in yeah there's very a lot of frustrating frustrating days when things aren't going well but uh I definitely wouldn't change how it went or how my career went for for anything I'm thinking back on Bert Templeton again because you said after not being drafted in your draft year to the National Hockey League he was a guy out there saying hey take a look at this guy. You want this guy on your team and 501 NHL games later, obviously Bert knew a thing or two. What was the secret to you hanging around despite all of this, Dave, and, and putting in that many games in the national hockey league? Well, I don't know. I think, um, like I said, getting, getting to Kitchener and getting into the junior and one year I'm, uh, couple of years out of junior D and midget double C and C for them on the world junior. So, and then I started to get some confidence that I was playing a lot and I actually could score in the, in the OHL. And, uh, but I think it, it might've been, and I look back at, there wasn't a lot of pressure on me because I wasn't drafted and I wasn't a first round. I wasn't expected to go first round of the NHL or you just kind of played the game and uh, you build that confidence inside that, you know, it's, quiet and just kind of like all right I can play go to the next level it's definitely harder faster but once you get out there and and kind of adapt to it and I think I could always think the game pretty well so it's just a matter of and I I think a tribute to I could skate fairly well so that uh help get into the next level and just everything moved a little quicker and maybe coming under the radar and yeah, I think everybody has some ups and downs in their career and you just got to find a way to, how do I get through this? What is the, what do I do? Do I just sit and sulk or do I work harder or you wait for that opportunity and try not to burn bridges? And yeah, there's many times you're pissed right off and you don't agree with what they're doing or you think you could play. And, but I think when you're, you have some good teammates, they they bring you along and they they help you and they're like, you know, keep your confidence up and, you know, keep reiterating why you're here. You can play here, right? Sometimes you start doubting yourself and um, that's where that, that mental part comes in, whether it's mental toughness or just kind of knowing inside that, you know, 
I, you can do it. Believing in yourself, I guess, is, is a big part of it. And you always need those other people to believe in you too, but it's it, hockey's a, it's a roller coaster sometimes. And it's, I think it agrees um, with a lot of people. If you talk to them, whether it's a job in the workforce or whatever your, your employment is that there's up days and down days and uh, you just kind of find your way to get through them. And, and like I said, I, w- I wouldn't change it. Not nothing's perfect. And uh, you just hammer it out. And yeah, I was very fortunate to get to uh, 501 games and, you know, it's uh, a lot of guys wish they got one game. Absolutely true. So that the end of that, that wacky 91, 92 season, when you went from the, what did it go? The, the, you went from the Smythe to the Patrick to the Adams to the Norris with the Leafs. And yes, Ontario boy, small town Ontario boy, playing for the blue and white. The timing couldn't have been much better to get to the Leafs at the end of that 92 season because 92-93, of course, is etched in people's memories as one of the best in the modern era anyway for the Maple Leafs. That memorable run to the West Final versus Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings. What was that playoff? I know you weren't in a lot of the games, but you're with the team and it had to be crazy. so hungry for a, a winning team after so many years and and I it's funny I do a lot of the alumni events with the older guys that were in the John Brophy time and just the craziness that was going on with that organization before Cliff come in and kind of put some stability in it um, like just the stuff that went on and they you know Wendell and, and Gary Lehman they'll talk about they had some almost better teams a few years before but just couldn't get coaching or didn't know the direction. It was just like in shambles all the time. And, but that year, Kim, I think it was, it was just, you look back now, you're kind of in it. You don't really see it. We knew the city was going crazy and, and all that stuff. And yeah, I was fortunate enough to be part of it. I think I dressed four or five of the playoff games. Yeah. You want to be part of it all, but you just wanted to stay hungry. And the guys were good, good teammates that, you know, kept you, part of the team and and when you get a chance you want to contribute and even that year was decent you know I 13 goals but in and out of the lineup but we had a uh, veteran team and I was one of the younger guys I think at 25 at that time and um, they made some big trades with some ex-oiler and Glenn Anderson was there and Dougie came in obviously and and uh, I think we got into the playoffs like we didn't get in by a lot and we ended up upset in Detroit. So um, we were fortunate enough to get by there. And I think Pitts, Pittsburgh got upset, too. And it was kind of wide open. You know, St. Louis, uh, every series went game seven. We, I think we maybe ran out a bit of gas in, in game seven with uh, with L.A., but um, that's hockey in the infamous game six in L.A. that, yes, Wayne, high stuck, Dougie should have been out, comes back. I mean. Um, yeah, those are, uh, those are memories and it's part of, part of the game. You can't turn the clock back. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest fact, like, I, I listened to Doug talk about it, which I kind of forgot that, you know, after game six, uh, one of the reporters, I can't remember, said something about, uh, you know, Wayne, you know, they won, but wasn't his best 
series or hasn't been playing the best, you know, that was probably the worst thing they should have said because all of a sudden Wayne comes out, scores three goals and tells him it was probably one of the best games he ever played in his career. So people forget about that, even though we probably would have been nice to win in game six down there, but there's so many factors that you can look at and uh, yeah, the high stick was, was one of them, but that's uh that's uh, water under the bridge now, but I know people do talk about it for so long. I think it's time that uh, the record was changed and hopefully they can change it this year. Well, speaking as a Leafs fan, yeah, that's a tough one for me to forget. And you were, you're pretty matter of fact about it. Yes. Wayne Gretzky did high stick tell Gilmore. There's no question about that. And for whatever reason, Carrie Fraser just decided to not call it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, back then we had one ref, right? The two lines when they'll still show highlights are all sitting there trying to talk and are they sitting there going, well, it's Wayne Gretzky. This could, I don't, who knows? Only they know. And uh, like nowadays you get the video replay. It's, it's easy to say now would be different, but that was then. And this is now. So that's the way it was handled. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't uh, come out in our, our favor. You mentioned that, you know, Lehman, Clark, there might have been some even more talented Leafs teams prior to this one that you were a part of that had that memorable playoff run. But maybe one of the things holding them back was coaching. And Pat Burns certainly got a lot out of you guys. What was he like as a coach? Any similarities between him and Burt Templeton? Very much. Well, if you if you look back, uh, Pat was actually the assistant coach with Burt at the World Junior. Um, so I kind of had... I knew him a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he was hard. He was, uh, he was, he had the foot on the gas all year. He made us work, 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 work. Um, looking back, maybe he should have a couple of days off for some of these guys might've been a little better, but that was his, that was his coaching style. Maybe that's how he would kind of do three years, three years, three guys. It gets, it gets hard on you and, and burnt out. And, uh, there's got to be some downtime here and there, but it wasn't with, with Pat and he got the best out of what we had. Um, very disciplined uh, coach on the players. Yeah. He was tough on us. There was guys like any team The Dougie obviously had a little longer leash than some of us. And uh, I think he respected some of the older guys and I was somewhat younger and still, still learning the game, I guess you could say, but um, yeah, people look back and he was uh he was the reason we had a good veteran team in the, in the room, which I think really helped also. Um, we had Felix pot then that came in as a rookie and kind of maybe didn't know what was going on. Just stopped the puck without knowing what, what the pressure of playing in Toronto. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of things that came together that year as a team. And, and obviously the coaching staff was, was part of it too. Do you, do you recall uh, a, a practice away from the gardens where you guys had to bus to it and the bus ended up leaving without Pat yeah. Burns and the rest of the coaches. I do remember that. We we're all kind of nervous and took the city bus dress. I think we were going over the varsity arena at the university. And I remember Dave Allett was, uh, he's like, let's go. Everyone's like, Hey, you're not on the bus too bad. Let's go. Like they would leave on us. So we left and, uh, all of a sudden, they show up in a taxi, him and the three coaches, or two other coaches, uh, Mike Murphy and uh, – uh, I'll think of it. I can see his face. Anyway, they show up, and we're skating around. All of a sudden, he blows the whistle, and he goes, get, get in the corner here. 
he was pissed off and he's mad. We don't know Mike Kitchens, the other coach. Sorry. And we're in the corner and uh, we're all like, oh, we're in shit here. What's going to happen here? And he's like, who the hell told the bus to go? Dave Elt said, well, I did. He says, well, good for you. Just don't be effing late, any of you guys, for anything, because I'm going. So he kind of laughed and away we went, but it was kind of his, he knew he was late and he was happy that someone took charge. So it uh, it was funny. It was kind of funny them showing up in the taxi more than anything. I remember from that playoff run too, Dave, where in the first game against LA, when McSorley uh, clocked Gilmore and then Clark and McSorley, but I, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm still surprised really that Melrose and Burns or Burns didn't get at Melrose there. He was pretty animated back behind that bench, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that too. I I, I wasn't dressed that game and I remember seeing I was kind of down in the hallway a little bit and uh he kind of come halfway and the, the doctors sit there and there's a, some security guards, but I think they were ladies at the time, maybe. And but anyway, everyone held him back. They didn't get over it. It was kind of funny to see that and add a little more excitement. Because you can walk right past, like right to the other box. And there's actually maybe seven or eight seats that were right between the benches, which was kind of kind of funny to have. But, uh, yeah, people got a front row seat. To a lot of language and a lot of, uh, a lot of action right there. Mentioned earlier that there were the the two teams that you uh, returned to, both the Islanders and and the Penguins. Another uh, short cup of coffee before your NHL career was done. How did you know it was time to hang them up in the NHL and try out your luck in Europe? Well, I'm I mean you you don't know. You want to keep playing, and uh, I had a great opportunity to go over to Europe. And my agent was always, I think you'd be a great player over there. You're a great skater and. And he asked me a couple of times, I'm like, no, I'm not ready yet. I want to go. And I don't think you're ever ready. Um, you always have that dream still going on. And um, so I did go over. I played in a small town called Landshut, Germany. Uh, a lot of North Americans came over that year. It, it opened up and uh, it felt like we were in the back in the NHL. We had a lot of guys, Dean Evison, who's coaching in Minnesota, Mike Bullard, uh, Gino Cavallini, Mark Lamb. Um, we had a list of, of great players and the city was kind of small. I played okay, but it wasn't, my heart was not, I love it here. Um, because you always think, well, maybe I could go back or maybe I could go. And I, I like the IHL at the time guys were making really good money. Um, so I was kind of, but then I ended up getting a good contract in Bern, Switzerland the next year. Uh, I played that year and then actually Ottawa said, we'd like you to come back um and join our ihl team in in detroit and then if we need you for the playoffs we'll bring you up and i still wanted to play it was only end of february but anyway i still had a contract and we couldn't get it worked out and it ended up not coming back but yeah and, and so that year i enjoyed it a little more you're in the right situation the right city and uh two years in burn and then and i kind of had in my mind i'm going to play over here so you got to you got to immerse yourself in the culture, the language. The it's not North American hockey. It's good hockey, but um, you just have to adapt to it a little better. And, and uh, then I ended up in Cologne for nine years, and it was basically uh, like my second home after a while. And uh, decided, you know, I, I was kind of ignorant about learning the language at the start because I'm like, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm going to be here a year or two. Well, I ended up twelve years there, and finally after a year. Five, I think I went to school and learned 
tried to learn some German. A bunch, five of us went and tried to get some basic stuff down. And some of it stuck with me. Some of it didn't. I wasn't the, the best, but it definitely helped. I should have did that the first year. And and I think a lot of as fans in the in the German league, they just want you to try and kind of speak it. Some guys were really good at speaking it. Um, but a lot of them spoke English in the dressing room. The young kids, everyone spoke English. So um, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed my time once I kind of made up my mind that that's where I'm going to continue to play. And fortunate to, to play till I was 42. What's the hockey like? I would compare it to like a good American League team because there was a lot of good players that come over. If you lose sight of a guy over here, you can look over there and and you know they're probably over in Europe. And and that was before the KHL had started. Um, it kind of opened up when I was 35, 36. And I just didn't see uh, myself leaving a good situation and uh, go to Russia and maybe work out, maybe not. And uh, money isn't everything and you, you want to be happy. And uh, uh, I was comfortable there. And, and that's a big part when you're we're in Europe. If you go for six, seven months, make it for, for some good money and, and get out of there, I guess you could do that. But I, I didn't try. And, and uh, the only, I get kind of off track there, but the hockey was, was, it's good. I just would think at my time, the refereeing was a little behind and that part of it got frustrating. And now you see how well different game, the, the games changed. Like the hooking and holding was, was bad here. It was even worse over there. And it got frustrating. Yeah, the bigger rink, but I find that doesn't really speed up the game. It kind of slows it down because people kind of stay on the outside where I enjoy the game in North, the North American game much better. It looks like you still keep very connected and you're out there doing alumni events whenever you can. I do. I, I get started when I, after a year and you kind of try to find your way around different things and, uh, you know, find your comfort zone. And, and we do a lot of stuff and you do get to see a lot of the guys. Um, we're in Kitchener. Do we do some of the hockey helps the homeless Easter seals, uh, the, the different events that uh, are through Ontario and, you know, Easter seals become a big, big part. I've done a lot of them with Jackson events and uh, you get to know some of the kids and just, uh, you know, you, you know where the money's going and it's a very good cause and we're just, and we get to play the game we're still playing hockey and, and, and raising money for different things. And we have the leaf alumni games, we've got NHL alumni games. So you, you can be as active as you want. And I, I still like to play. I have a couple skates that I do with guys that, that are just for fun. So I, I still enjoy the game and, and uh, yeah, it, it keeps us busy after that's for sure. I know you're, uh, you're back in the Huron County, Lake Huron area. And, and I wonder do you ever stop to just think back on this and, you know, the kid from Seaforth and, and what hockey has, has brought you in life? I, I do. I, it was funny. I was thinking of that the other day and uh, just traveling around and the, and the, and the people you meet, you can go somewhere and you usually run into somewhere or some guy, uh, you look like a player. And you, once you retire, I've learned that now doing all the alumni stuff, it's, we're all in the same boat, whether you were the first team all-star or you were the fourth line, we're all the same. We're all the same. Now we're in the same boat. Um, we're retired, enjoying life and uh, trying to give back. And I feel very fortunate uh, to see a lot of the world. I've been in many countries and 
met many guys, obviously, uh, playing in four teams in one year. I, I got to know, know a lot of new, new guys. I remember that summer after that was a golf tournament in Toronto. And there was, it was on two courses, it was lying head or something. There was like 34 guys and I counted, I played with 32 of them. And, and that, <laughs> there was guys from Winnipeg to live in Toronto, Buffalo guys come up and so many guys around, around the uh, Toronto area. And it was just kind of like, okay, I got to know a lot of guys. Now it's like we run into each other and it's kind of like, where did I play with you again? Was it Long Island or was it Buffalo or was it Toronto? Cause some guys played in both and you get to know them. It's like, you should, but it's like, it, it becomes such a, a fog sometimes where, where you were and who you're with. And, but uh, yeah, I, I, like I said before, I wouldn't change anything. A lot of, a lot of great, great times, great memories. And uh, yeah, very, very fortunate. How do you think those guys would describe Dave McElwain as a teammate? Uh, I, I would like to be known as a good teammate. Um, whether things are going good, whether they're going bad, I was always, uh, I was there. It's, it's hard not to get down when you're not playing and be that mopey guy around the room, but uh, you just kind of got to figure that out yourself because that type of attitude in rooms or teams can be hard on, on it wears on guys. So it's kind of any young guys or guys that meet, it's just, you got to learn to, to be a good teammate and you're not going to agree on everything. And uh, you, I guess you want to have the respect of, of your teammates for how you play and what you can bring to the team. And most of the guys on the teams have gone through what you've gone through. If you were in another lineup or maybe didn't play regular sometime, in their career so most guys get that um not every guy that's happened to but i would say i don't know what kind of percentage but i'm sure 75 percent of guys that have gone through that or you see guys get sat out now it, it happens all the time if and it's a bit of a you know eat that bit of humble pie and kind of figure out you know what what attitude do i go with here either i'm in or i'm out and and you just want to be that good teammate when you get a chance to get in there just hopefully be able to contribute and and bring what you can to the table and obviously help help the team out this is going to get really interesting dave because uh we're recording this the night before the leafs open the 2023 playoffs against tampa bay it takes me a couple of weeks to get it posted but you mentioned earlier that maybe this year's leafs team can rewrite a new chapter so let's by the time this comes out you're either going to be a genius or we're going to be, we're going to be laughing at you a little bit, but come on, let's well, talk about I, <laughs> what are the chances here? I'm a believer eh, as everybody says, and uh, <laughs> sooner or later, the, the cards have to change. And I just think this year they've, they've added some great depth. Um, obviously Ryan O'Reilly's a C4 there. You're in County boy. And you know, you know what he brings to the table, but Achari, they just added some bottom six, not that Ryan is, but he can play anywhere up and down. A lot of those guys can play anywhere up and down the lineup. They had some grit on the third and fourth line that I think, and some scoring. And I like what they did in defense. Uh, McCabe and, uh, you know, Luke Shen's very solid back there. I was very surprised when he handled uh, Patrick Maroon there uh, in the fight, uh, which they need that. They need that toughness. He might not be as fleet of foot as he used to be or any of the other guys but you know he's not the he's got the most hits in the league you're, you can't be a bad player if you if you're doing that and he's won the cup they have a lot of experience I think um 
I think we've a lot of the guys we talk about this all the time, and it's just it's a few bounces here and there, a bit of luck. Like you look back last year, game six in in Tampa, I think they should have won that game, and they didn't. They come home game seven, as we know, anything can happen on home ice, and uh, Tampa, you, you're hoping maybe. Are they getting tired? It's fourth year, three years they've been in the finals, two they won. They're still a very solid team, and uh, I don't think anyone's taken anyone lightly, especially with the Leafs that haven't been by a first round. But I just think they're going to be they're a year, year older, year more experience, um, maturity. You know, maybe, you know, Matthews didn't have 60 goals, but maybe he'll have a great playoff. And, you know, last year I think they – he exerted a lot of energy going for that. Maybe saved a little bit. Maybe, you know, Marner's been consistent all along. Different guys step up. And obviously, it's we all know it's going to come down to goaltending, too. And um, Samsonov's carried a lot of the load this year. And I think he's the, the guys believe in him. And you have to believe in your goaltender for a big part of it and make that save. And there's there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts and, and luck and bounces that can hopefully go their way this year. I think O'Reilly was ninth on that list of famous Huron County natives, and you were 18th. So you're both in there. You're both in. Yeah. He's just a little yeah. ahead of you. The, the Con Smythe or the or the Stanley Cup or something that uh, got him ahead of me there. Well, we'll find out uh, how prophetic this turns out to be when we do get it posted. But this has been a lot of fun sitting down with you. Thanks very much for making the time to join the podcast. My my pleasure. It's, uh, it's always an enjoyable time talking hockey, going down memory lane. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.